Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, good people, to the Triple Threat Podcast. I am DJ Shockley, and on the other side of the mic is my dude, Scotty D, joining the crew today. Looking forward to what we got going on today. But first off, Scotty D, what's happening? How are you doing, man? Man, I was good, bro. I was good, man. I, yeah. How's your week been? How's your week been? It's, it's well, we've been we've been quarantined over here, DJ. I'm not yeah, going yeah. to sugarcoat it. Hey, it's man, that's rough. life, man. Everybody's going through some stuff, so hey. It's well, my wife's the toughest person I know. So she uh, she's been working up in her bedroom, um, dealing with dealing with the symptoms she's dealing with, and uh, we've we've the four of us we've between the four of us uh, that haven't had it, we've had like ten tests this past week. So okay. we're we're all we've managed to isolate it. Good deal. And uh, and, and I, everything, but she's how's she's your wife tough. doing? How's she doing? She's she's feeling a lot better today. She's out now. So uh, nice, symptoms nice. symptoms seem to be. Uh, gone for the most part and uh i think honestly the worst thing to her was the isolation yeah being being yeah. being up in her room by herself for over a week but uh we tried to take care of her give her you know bring her a lot of food and, and all that and and she's yeah. uh like i said she's tough man yeah i saw i saw a funny story about uh somebody being isolated and obviously last week the browns their head coach uh stefanski was uh mm-hmm. isolated and uh he said i guess he hit paul or some on his tv and <laughs> Uh, his wife is upstairs and kids upstairs and they were watching the game and all he hears is his whole family going crazy yelling <laughs> having a good time and he's like well I know something good just happened for us so uh I, I I've heard some 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 good stories about being in isolation so uh, I'm sure uh your wife has had a, a few to her own that she's probably not minding being away from you I know for sure <laughs> well, I'll tell you what talking about I, I love watching games behind yeah I like fast forwarding through the commercials but yeah. inev- inevitably, something somebody texts me something. Oh, you're going to get an alert? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, man, uh, looking forward to the show today, man. We got my man Sherrod coming on. If you don't know who Sherrod is, <laughs> a.k.a. Roddy White. Uh, played at UAB. Obviously played for the Falcons for 10 years. Uh, done a lot of great things. Four-time pro bowler. Uh, doing a lot of great things in his career after football. Uh, we're going to ask him about Julio. We're going to ask him about Matt Ryan. We're going to ask him about catching balls from Mike Vick. So we got a lot to chop it up with my man Roddy on today's podcast. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to get to that in a minute. We had a nice little conversation with my man 8-4 coming up. Uh, obviously want to give a big props to Alabama. Nick Saban, unbelievable. Got his seventh national championship, sixth at the University of Alabama, and they put a whooping on Ohio State. And I'm sure everybody, you know, at one point watched their ball game and uh, – a lot of people thought it wasn't going to be close, and it wasn't. What was your uh, impressions watching that ball game of Alabama versus Ohio State? Well, I did think it was going to be closer than that. I, <laughs> you sound I, so disappointed. Well, because I lost money. <laughs> <laughs> I bet on I bet on Ohio State. Got that nine and a half points. And uh, uh, I tell you what, when when uh, Trey Sermon went out on the first play of the game. First play, man. That's crazy. I mean, that was that was disappointing. And I don't know if I've said it before, but he's you know, he's he's a local kid. Yep. Um, yep, yep. Got that shoulder banged up. Yeah, so that was that was disappointing. Uh, I, I hate it for him. Um, but I hate it, you know. I just I thought that it would be a, a little bit more competitive. I think that hurt him. They lost a lineman. 
um, they had they got pretty beat up. But I don't I don't know that that would have made a difference. But I thought they'd keep it within ten points. So I was a little surprised at how it turned out. Yeah. Yeah, man. And the the Heisman Trophy winner himself had a freaking ball game mm. in the first half. On to my 12 for 215, three touchdowns in the first half. How you win the MVP in the first half? That's crazy. But you just Mac said Jones, how <laughs> Mac Jones over 400 yards passing, five touchdowns. Alabama's offense was ridiculous. And Mac Jones said it. I believe we are the best team ever. And I think he has an argument. I mean, I know there's a lot of teams who are really good. I know there are a lot of offenses that have been pretty, really pretty crazy. And here's the interesting number here. LSU last season averaged 48.4 points a game. Okay. Alabama this year averaged 48.4 points a game. How Are you serious? Absolutely. 48.4. Wow. They both averaged that. Always the comparison between those two teams, obviously, because they were elite. Yeah. Uh, but what do you think of what Mac Jones said is saying they are the best team ever. This is playing in an all SEC schedule. Yeah. And winning that championship during a pandemic. Point. Do you think he has an argument? Well, I, I think I'd like to compartmentalize it a little bit. I would say, I would say from an offensive standpoint, he certainly has an argument. I would say that LSU's defense was a little, little more responsive last year, though. I mean, you can't let Ole Miss and Florida uh, and um, you know, you can't let those teams put up over 40 points on you and, and you. say it's your whole team. But I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I heard Todd Nishay said he had 13 players on that team that were, he gave a draftable grade. And yeah. I think he said nine of them could go in the second, first two, first two rounds. <laughs> it's like, what? That's yeah. nuts. And what's crazy is that 2017 class for Alabama had Tua in it, had mm -hmm. Jerry Judy in it. I mean, mm -hmm. which is unreal. I mean, all the dudes that still had two, all those guys could still be at Alabama this past season, which is it's just remarkable. Yep. So the amount of talent they have there is pretty crazy. So congrats to Alabama on their national championship and Nick Saban being, without a doubt, the GOAT. He is. I mean, takes over Bear Bryant, obviously, for seven. Uh, the previous was tied for six, and now he has seven. And it just doesn't look like Bama's going to stop. I mean, they continue to recruit at a high level. They got another hot shot quarterback that's going to come in. Uh, Bryce Young, who they thought was going to be the quarterback this year. Mm -hmm. But uh, big props to them, man. Najee Harris is a big part of what they did. I love that dude. That dude runs hard, does everything good out the backfield. Uh, they were a complete offense, to say the least. I mean, their offensive line uh, was one of the top offensive lines in the country. You got a Heisman Trophy winner. You got the, the top running back in the country. Uh, Mac Jones won a couple awards. So they took on a lot of hardware this year. Yeah. Yeah, they did. All right, man. So a lot of a lot of things. College season has come to an end. Um, a lot of guys are declaring. A lot of guys are saying they're coming back. We'll see uh, what happens here in the weeks to come. And obviously, we'll get into all the draft and combine all that stuff as it approaches. But uh, Alabama ends this crazy season as national champions and are undefeated. So I absolutely have an argument about that. Big weekend here in the NFL as we got some more playoff games. And it's down to the Elite Eight now. On Saturday at 435, you got the Rams versus Green Bay. And then at 815, you got Baltimore taking on Buffalo. Rams, Green Bay, let's start there first. Obviously, Jared Goff had to come in last week, had that thumb. Mm -hmm. He had, you know, multiple pins put in it. 
now he's going to go to Green Bay where it could be really cold and how everybody knows if you hurt something and it's really, really cold, how that can affect you. Do you think there's any chance the Rams can go to Lambeau and get a W? Um, I like the – I like the matchup of Green Bay versus the Rams defense. And that's Rams defense is, is arguably the best in the hopefully in Aaron the Donald league. Plays. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if you, depending on what measurement you want to use, the Rams have, you know, certainly one of the top defenses. So watching um, Green Bay's offense work against uh, the Rams defense is going to be the deciding factor, I think, um, you know, and, and, and let's just, you know, let's just face it. Aaron Rodgers is is going to have the upper hand in Green Bay, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see that. I think that as good as um, I think where you know how how Jared Goff's doing, although he did all right, I, I don't think they'll be able to put up enough points to keep up with uh, with the Packers. Yeah, I'm with you. Green Bay has been on a tear. Um, obviously, Aaron Rodgers over 40 touchdowns has been elite. Um, mm-hmm. Probably going to be the MVP for sure. Um, but going to Lambeau is a little different. Uh, you got the, the West Coast team going out to Green Bay, where I know it's going to be pretty cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I don't think this game will be close. Uh, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers can get that ball out their hands fast. But one thing they do have, they got Jalen Ramsey out there. We know he's he's tough on the edge. So we'll see if he, you know, gets that matchup with Devontae Adams throughout the ball game, see if he can shut him down. So Green Bay has a, a, a task on their hand, but uh, I'm sure they won't take it any other way. And, 8-15, Baltimore and Buffalo. Baltimore, last week, my man Lamar Jackson gets his first playoff win. He was pretty excited. Uh, didn't want to shake the hands of the Titans because they disrespected him. Uh, they ended the game with an interception, and they go and, you know, stomp on the, the Titans logo. <laughs> yep. So there was a lot into that game for Baltimore that was really personal. They're going to see Josh Allen in Buffalo where it could be extremely cold as well. Possibly they said snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lamar Jackson said this week he's never played in snow. So we'll see maybe Baltimore and Buffalo. Buffalo may be praying for snow. Maybe that may be the only thing that can slow yeah. Lamar Jackson down. Maybe so. You know, he's a South Florida boy. And uh, he uh, he's – I just – I don't think it was a wise thing to – I don't like sh- when people want to show weakness. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying that's how he meant it to come out, obviously. But I just think if, you, if, you, if you're putting out there that there's some kind of doubts in your head, God, if it does snow – the defense, the front seven. I, I know you know better than most how you know what defensive linemen and linebackers like to chirp at the quarterback. No but uh, it's it's. I don't like him saying that. But um, it, it'll be interesting. I think I, I'm I'm loving on the Bills since they were like three and zero. So I'm 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 riding the Bills. I can't. I, I really really hope to see Buffalo and KC next week. Um, but I'm a, I'm a little sad, man. Seven more games. That's all we got. I know. I know, man. It's going down quickly. I remember we didn't think we were going to ever have a season. Now we're wishing we had more games. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's definitely coming down uh, to the end. Buffalo and Josh Allen has been a tear. Uh, mm-hmm. Falcons fans who are maybe watching this ball game, Devontae Freeman signed with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. They're trying to get him up to up to speed to hopefully get him to play. So uh, Free may get a chance to play in that ball game. But Baltimore and Buffalo, two teams uh, playing at a high level, should be an interesting game. Uh, last two other ball games, we got Sunday at 3.05. You got the Browns, who destroyed the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in their last ball game and shut down a lot of what Juju had to play. We'll go to Kansas City. I'm sure a lot of people are expecting the Chiefs to boat race them, as everybody expected, probably the Steelers to boat race the Browns, but it didn't happen. Any chance the Browns can go to Arrowhead and make this game close? I think that 
because to me, Kansas City hasn't been dominant too much this year. Yeah, they, they've right. had a, they've had their moments, but I think that in the end, the score is going to look a little closer than the game is. I think yeah. I think we're going to see Kansas City pretty much control the game throughout, but they might stay with like the lines ten points. I think they might stay right around that. I don't think it's going to be too. To me, ten points isn't a boat race, especially when you're talking about Kansas City. So no I think it's going to be uh, you know around a ten point game. But I think I think if you if somebody watches the game they'll have a different perspective of what happened than somebody that just checks the final score. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm with you. I'm with you. Chiefs looking to get back to the Super Bowl, and it starts with going through the Cleveland Browns. All right, it's 640. The game, I think everybody's probably going to be looking forward to watch. You got two greats, two future Hall of Famers in the last game of the weekend of the playoffs. The Bucks taking on New Orleans. Brady versus Breeze. Maybe the last game for Drew Breeze, who – um, a lot of people think may retire. Already has a job ready for him uh, to call games. And then Tom Brady and the Bucks, who you know had a really good showing in their first weekend in the wild card. So Bucks, New Orleans, this is a tough one to call, man. Mm. Who do you who, who do you like? Well, I definitely think we're going to see something closer to their first matchup than their second, when it was just a, a when they got a blowout thirty five oh, to God. three or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, they just murdered them. Um, so it's definitely going to be closer now. You know. I think that I, I think that Tampa might actually pull this off. You know, it's the third time they've played. Um, I in, think Tampa's been yeah, New Tampa, Orleans? yeah, Tampa's been rounding up. Gronkowski took about a half season to get set, but he's he's starting to be really uh, a big contributor. And then, or uh, not a big contributor, but a key contributor. He's coming up. You know how hard it is for a safety to guard somebody that's twice as big as them, right? So, but. Uh, Antonio Brown has been a little bit more involved. I think that, yeah, I think that um, I'm going to give the edge to Tampa and I don't, I don't want to root for, if they could both lose, I'd be happy. But (laughs) um, I think, I think that that will be, you know, what's interesting, DJ, how many times do you think these two quarterbacks have faced off in the playoffs? Mm, Probably a lot. No, in the playoffs. Yeah, they they ain't faced a lot. Well, obviously because they, because they were in the AFC and the NFC. Never. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Wow. That's crazy no, to think that. about all the times these guys, have, all the playoff games these two have under their belt. They've never faced each other because they didn't play in the Super Bowl. Isn't that oh, cool? That's right. Because uh, the one time when Breeze didn't win, they were playing against the Colts. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Well, epic matchup. Brady, Breeze. And like I mentioned, Falcons fans, NFC South, they don't want to root for either one mm-hmm. of these teams. Um the one thing that I like is New Orleans defense. New Orleans yeah. defense is nasty. They get after you. They got Lattimore on the back end, who is a dog. Um, and they got some linebackers that can run. I mean, it's going to be an interesting game going back and forth. Yeah. And I, I would say this is almost a pick em. And I think the, the edge for me goes New Orleans in New Orleans. So we'll see okay. what happens. We'll see which one of us is right. But a big weekend of NFL football to come. And like you mentioned, not many more. So enjoy these people. But without further ado, my man Roddy White will step to the mic and we'll have a nice, good conversation with 8 4 here coming here on the Triple Thread Podcast. Stay tuned. Coming up next, my man 8 4. Welcome back to the Triple Threat Podcast. And I told you guys we had a special guest. I told you who was coming on. And he's finally here in the Triple Threat Podcast. Welcome, my boy, Sherrod LaVar. Roddy White to the building. Hey, full-time pro bowler, if you don't know, played at UAB. 
Hey, Roddy, what's up, man? How you doing, bro? Man, it's all good, man. How you doing, man? Hey, man, I appreciate you coming on, man. I, I, I wanna, I wanna brag on you for a second to everybody who's listening, watching. I hit my man Roddy up uh, with a short notice, asking him if he can come on. My dude said, "No doubt, I got you." So, first off, I appreciate you taking the time out, man. I know you got a lot going on. I know you're trying to make sure the kid is learning, but uh, I appreciate trying you taking to. the time, man. That's a consistent struggle every day. <laughs> Don't we all know? Don't we all know? All right, A4, man, let's go back. Obviously, uh, people don't know Roddy played at UAB. My dude's from South Carolina, where they talk a little bit different. And uh, yes, they man. are always fun to be around, though. But uh, go back to Charleston, South Carolina, man. Obviously, you're a product of James Island High School. Did some pretty good things there. But I don't think people know is that Roddy is a four-sport star in high school. My man played football, baseball. Now, I didn't realize you played baseball. But play baseball. Yeah, a little center field, a little center field, a little center field. Okay. And, and he played soccer and he was a two-time state champion in wrestling. Did you always know going back in high school that you was this talented, bro? Man, you know what? I just wanted to play every sport and keep me busy. You know, yeah. that was my mama idea. She was like, listen, <laughs> if, you, if you playing sports, you can't get in trouble. So that's what I did every day. I mean, I just found new things to do. And um, you know, they threw me that little soccer thing in there because I ain't go out there and play goalie <laughs> and stop a couple balls. So you was the goalie, you was the goalie. Yeah, they figured, you know, when they watched me play football, they was like, dude, you can catch, you know what I'm saying? You got great anticipation. So right. eyes and hand coordination gotta be good. Yeah, I wasn't out there <laughs> trying to score no goal. <laughs> you wouldn't you weren't out there trying to get kicked in the shin or nothing like that. Nah, nah. <laughs> Man, so was football your first love, Buttercup? Because I asked that because when I was growing up, I loved baseball and end up playing, obviously, uh, in the NFL and football, but I love baseball. Was football always your first love or was it baseball or was it, I know it was no, soccer. I actually but... tell you the truth, uh, I grew up in a family full of wrestlers. So, you know, wrestling was my first, my first love because yeah. everybody in the family did it. I just remember going to like the family barbecues and uh, we had a bunch of state champions in our family. Yeah. So my uncle was like the top of the top and he right. won three of them, you know what right. I'm saying? But he went to the finals all four years in high school, but he won three of them. Dang. So if you ain't win one, you couldn't even go to the table. <laughs> to the finals, you know what I'm saying? No you doubt, no doubt. Hell and talk with the other people that ain't won nothing, you know what I'm oh, saying? Oh man, so you outcast, you outcast if you ain't win. Yeah, you yeah. outcast if you ain't win at the barbecue. So I used to watch all these conversations and here, so I naturally got into wrestling early, even though I played football and stuff like that. Yeah. And one thing I loved about wrestling that I didn't like about football was, especially when I was young and we would lose in football and stuff like that. And I'd come home, I'd be mad. My mom would be like, why are you so mad? Or oh, this person didn't do this, this person didn't do that, this person didn't do that. In wrestling, I ain't had to worry about none of that. Nobody else. Me? Just me. Mano y mano. <laughs> <laughs> I lost, it was on me. <laughs> hey, hey, well, I, I guess that turned out to be pretty good. You was a two-time state champ in wrestling. And I was looking up some stuff, bro, and I saw you pinned an opponent by, and it was called a shenaz. Is that right? What, what, what is a shenaz? 
Man, it's just a cross face uh backside cradle. I I I called it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow that down. Everybody ain't the wrestling club. It's, 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 it's wrestling kind of knowledge. So you it'd be I see hard, it'd be hard to tell you what it is, but okay, it, name it to me again. Cross face what? Uh backside cradle. So it's kind of like somebody getting up, you kind of cross face and then you jump to the other side and you roll into a cradle. Bro, so I kind of did that. Yeah. Bro, that's crazy. See, now, now all this stuff making sense. How <laughs> you wanted all the confrontation. You wanted Man, all the confrontation. Wanted, no, I ain't want all the confrontation. I was just a guy that was just chilling. And it's about the confrontation. I was going to put the end it. <laughs> oh, man. Man, obviously, uh, you, you had a really good career in high school. Had an opportunity to go to the next level, which is play college ball. Talk about their recruiting process. Was UAB the school you always kind of looked at, or was there other schools? And what ultimately made it come down to UAB? Man, to tell you the truth, yo, um, coming out of the gate, um, my senior year in high school, I started actually getting heavily recruited. And um, at that time, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. But um, I went down to Florida for a visit. I went down to NC State for a visit. Um, I went to Tech, you know, for a visit. And um, I went down there and visited all these schools. And at that time, you know, I hadn't qualified on my SAT yet. So the biggest thing for me was, you know, the coaches kept telling me, hey man, just work on your grades, you know, mm -hmm. so you can get qualified. Right. So, um, you know, uh, I went through that process and, you know, pre-signing day, after signing day, I still didn't pass my test. So I didn't sign my letter of intent to anybody. I was just like, just let me figure this out. And then, you know, I'll get back with y'all. So. Yeah. Finally, just finally, like May, I passed the test and qualified, you know what I'm saying? But the recruiting classes that everybody had already filled out the scholarship office. Right. So NC State was like, you could come next year, but you would have to sit out football for a whole year. Dang. Right. And my mom was like, nah, you ain't doing that. <laughs> you ain't staying around here for a whole year. Right, right. Nothing to do. So yeah. um, one of my coaches was like, one of my coaches, this is before I even passed the test. He was like, listen, we got something for you at UAB. They're going to take you regardless. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He said they had these things called Prop 48 back then. Oh, yeah. You go on campus and you can do a whole year, work on your academics, and then you'd be on scholarship, you know, as a full student. So I was like, all right, well, then let me go check out UAB. <laughs> so I went down there. That's like, 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 I think it was late April. And went and looked at the campus. You know what I'm saying? Hey. That was my very first time going up there. And I was like, all right, I could get with this. And I ended up, you know, once I couldn't go to NC State, I ended up wanting to, you know, go to UAB. So that's where I ended up. Man, that's a pretty cool story right there. Cause I know it's a it's a lot of kids these days who fighting through some of the same stuff, trying to get into school, trying to find that opportunity. Where where were you mentally going through that spot? Cause I know there's a lot of kids who listen who are going through similar situations, they get ready to go off to college. Mentally, how did you get through, okay, I got to pass this test because I want to get to college, and then you finally had the relief. Mentally, how did you get yourself to that spot to say, all right, I got to buckle down and do what I need to do? Uh, it was it was, it was was frustrating through that point because I took that test at least seven times. Yeah. So, and to the point that we were <laughs> just working on the math portion of the test or the yeah. portion of the test. We weren't really focusing on, you know, the whole test at one time. Right. But um, after I made the grade, you know, it was like a, a relief for me because I actually knew I was going to college, you know, even though I didn't know what college I was going to end up at, I actually knew I was going and I would have a chance and an opportunity. 
you know, to be the second guy in my family to actually go to college. You right. know, my cousin who was a year ahead of me had just went to a community college, but this was my very first time, you know, going to college and, you know, having the chance to do that. But once I got to UAB, man, it was, it was, it was all focused. I just wanted to play football, football, and just dive in and just get as much of it as possible. And then, you know, I, I ended up playing a little bit my, my freshman year. And then from there, I ended up starting every year after. So. And you're talking about taking off. You all right, your freshman, you had 14 for 236 to two tubs. But then your sophomore, that's when you start to get your burns. You go 39 receptions, 580 yards, three touchdowns, and 03 and 04. But 04, that last year, 71 reception, 1,400 yards, 14 TDs, Rod, for real? 14? Yo, I was out there. I was eating now. I was eating. <laughs> <laughs> now, you – uh. Now your QB was a, a a good friend of mine. I know he's one of your one of your best friends. My man Hack, Daryl Hack. I used to play against Hack uh, here at Doug, and we used to go at it. We used to talk cash money all the time. Uh, but I know Hack was the QB. Talk about relationship y'all had uh, going through UAB, and obviously still got that relationship to today. Um, I mean, it was great, man. When I first got on campus, Hack came on campus with us, and um, our freshman class literally, you know. Coach was like, we got somebody that can throw you the ball. And um, I was like, he can throw that thing. You know what I'm saying? So I, I walk on the field and everybody's talking about hack. I ain't never heard of hack. You know what I'm saying? Cause I'm down there in South Carolina, you know, he up here in Georgia. And right. like, you know, back then you had like magazines and stuff. Yeah. It wasn't no like social media where nah, you could just nah. contact people. Nah. Like that, you know? Yeah, you ain't gonna get in the DM, yeah. nothing like that back then. Yeah, we ain't had none of that. <laughs> So I got there and, you know, we walk on the field and I see him tossing the ball around and stuff like that. So I'm like, oh, he could go. <laughs> yeah. so I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be straight for the next four years. Yeah. What happened was my freshman year, he didn't start. We had a senior, we had a senior that was pretty good, but uh, Hack played like two or three games cause the guy ended up getting hurt. Yeah. And uh, we had a little bit of success and stuff like that. And then his sophomore year when he was supposed to start, he got hurt again, mm. his junior year, I mean, my junior year, he got hurt. So the only year that I had that we put up really big numbers and he stayed healthy was my senior year. He played the whole season my senior year. Well, so that's boy. why, you know, up until that point, you know, I was struggling my my, my sophomore and junior year because, man, we had a we had a quarterback shuffle like we did when uh, we had Byron Leftwich, uh <laughs> Chris Trevor, Raymond, I remember. Trevor, I remember. I remember. <laughs> That was our quarterback rotation back yeah. then in the UAB. We were going from quarterback to quarterback. <laughs> hey, that's crazy. But you, yeah, y'all ate, man, 14 tubs and 1,400 yards. And obviously, that sets you up for the next part of your life and career is getting drafted. Now, talk about this process because we, we had Ronnie Brown on here probably a few weeks ago, and he talked about how in that situation, he didn't know where he was going to go, depending on certain teams, all this kind of stuff. Did you have any inkling in your mind that the Falcons wanted you and you would get drafted to the ATL? Yeah, from the jump. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Oh. They literally came down to UAB. This is no lie. They was like, listen, if you dead 27, we taking you. Man. That's it. That's that's what they told me. And um, at that time, Coach Stu was uh, – Stu. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Stu was the uh was the wide receiver coach down there, so he would come and visit me like every weekend, yo. Oh man, like every weekend we talk ball, we get on the board, you know, we go over the offense and stuff like that. And then when Greg Knapp came down, we we started talking talking ball and stuff like that. 
I was like, like, this is real for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the funny part about it is like, I went on visits to Chicago, right? And yeah. Cedric Benson was there and they ended up drafting Cedric Benson. And then I went down to Miami with Ronnie Brown. I was, we was For real? meeting together Dang. at the Miami Dolphins. But, um, you know, um, we went on when I was going through all these visits and stuff like that. It was fun, man, just meeting them guys for the very first time and just going through the draft process and not knowing where you're going to go. Cause you know, I thought I was going to go a little bit higher than I actually did, but yeah. I was happy at the end of the day that the team that wanted me picked me, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. that was a great relief for me that I was actually going to a place that, you know, from day one, you know, of the draft said, hey, we want you, so. Yeah, man, that's crazy. I mean, I remember going through that process and having no idea where you was gonna go and you end up going to a spot that you, you know, kind of want to, that's pretty yeah. cool. That, that that don't happen too often. Usually, the thing you the that show y'all the interest, usually that ain't where you're going. Exactly, but let me tell you the funny part though, how, how, how the draft worked. So they get to 27, right? And I know I'm finna get picked. Right. Right. So I'm thinking in my mind, I, I'm, I'm going to get picked because they already told me that they wanted me. So I get on the phone. Right. And Coach Moore calls me like early, soon as they on the clock. He's like, hey, Rod, how you doing? Hey, you ready to be a Falcon? Blase, blase. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Everything all good. He was like, yeah. yeah. But just let me call you back because we're going to see if we got some trade options and then we'll hit you right back. And what? I'm like, what? Yeah. What? Like, like, what? He said he, that? I thought he was just trying to. I thought he was like, 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 I was like. Is he playing? Or, and then they oh, made no. it. So I was like, oh, okay. And then he called me back. He was like, hey, man, we're going to call you back with the GM. and, and, and <laughs> the So, yeah, oh, man. It was crazy. Don't wrong for that. Don't know he wrong for that. Man, take me through what it was like when you actually got drafted and you could change the life of your entire family. Because obviously, I know your story uh, about how you grew up and how, you know, like you just mentioned, you know, second person to go to college. So obviously to be able to change the life of everybody in your family, I know that means a lot. Talk about that experience and how, you know, everybody was excited and happy for you. Man, it was crazy, man. When I first got drafted, we actually had a barbecue and, um, you know, people don't know this is like, which I didn't even know either. When you hire, I hired a financial advisor and all this stuff way before I even got drafted. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So at that point, they were like, all right, this is the range they figured that you would get drafted and literally people will give you money for no reason right depending on where you get drafted <laughs> so literally you know like going through the draft process my agent was asking me you know like what you want to do for your family and stuff like that and at the time like i, I don't really know money like that you know what i'm saying yeah. i'm yeah. living check, check in college yeah. you know what I'm yeah. like you really got no money i'm, I'm like, talking oh. millions of dollars now yeah no. yeah i'm like <laughs> I don't know what I want to do. Like, I know my mom <laughs> I know she needs money, you know what I'm saying? Right. So I'm trying to figure out all these things for her, you know, my family and stuff like that. He was like, all right, well, let's just start a credit line for like 250,000. I was like, 200, what? 50,000? I was like, oh, not 250,000. Well, he just said it like it just wasn't nothing. Yeah, let's yeah, just well, like it's nothing. You know what he saying? Like, like it was $250, up. Yeah. <laughs> He was like, he was like, yeah, we're gonna start with that. And I was like, man, I ain't got 250,000. He was like, just relax, you go get it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so at that point, I ain't know nothing about money. We opened up a credit line. So I started doing things for my family, which would made it exponentially easier for them because yeah. my mama had literally gotten the debt already prior to like even me making it to the league. Right, and right, right. He was like, I, I was just hoping that you made it because I don't know how I was gonna pay you. <laughs> <laughs> Mama was real. Hey, man, she was real. She was real. Hey. So 
we literally ended up paying all her debt off and uh, ended up getting her a car and uh, getting her a place to stay. And then uh, we moved on from there. So it was, yeah, it was great. Cool. It was great, man. To just see us go through that phase as a family and then wake up. And then one morning, you know, we don't have those worries anymore. So it was, wow. it was exponentially great for us as a family, you know, all the things that we've done, even to this day, family vacations, places we've gone, the places I got to take my great grandma and my grandma and mm. the things that they got to see that they probably would have never saw if I didn't make it to the NFL. So it was all a blessing, man. Man, awesome. that is that is a major blessing. I mean, just to to hear, I know how much you love your family. Um, oh, yeah. I hope I hope people can uh, understand what it means to you to be able to help your family out. So, uh, cool story to hear how that kind of changed the life of everybody. Uh, moving on, uh, obviously you get dragged by the Falcons and you you walk into Flowery Branch and obviously just talking about, hey, I got a hack over here who can slang it. I know hack can put that ball anywhere I want. Now you walk into the National Football League, and now your quarterback is not just one of the top players on the team. This dude is the face of the National Football League. Talk about your first meeting with Mike and what it was like to play with Vic. Uh, Obviously, it was a a, a crazy talent, but what was it like when you first realized, man, I'm going to go play with Vic? Man, you know, like – like when you when you bring a kid in the Lego land, <laughs> and they walk in the building and they yeah. just, just go, yeah, that's yeah. how I felt walking into a locker room. <laughs> it's like you go from like I ain't really know how big of a star Mike Vick was until I got to Atlanta, right? And then it's like, like, like it blew so my. People don't voice. understand. Yeah, people don't understand. It's like people just don't understand. It's like. <laughs> You got people like the media and everybody just sitting outside, just waiting on this man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. you got people outside the outside the facility waiting on him to actually come to work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So Let's it was like, yeah, it was crazy to me to go through that and then see like like how good he was and to see like this guy like not only like is the face of our franchise, he's like the face of the NFL. Yeah. I always tell people when I first walked in. It was like him, he was just getting out of the shower. He was coming in and he looked at me, he was like, what up, Sherrod? Cause he's <laughs> the only guy that called me by my real name. Other no than- <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, I was like, what up? And then, you know, that was kind of our introduction. He was like, yo, you're going to be good. Everything going to be straight. You know, we going to make it happen. So man, at that point I was like ready for OTAs and getting in there and just getting out with Mike. You know, our very first OTA practice, I thought like the whole team was gonna be there. It was just the rookies, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So I was kind of disappointed. Like, where he so, at? Yeah, I'm like, where he at? You know I came here to catch ball for him. Catch balls for Mike. Like, where he at? I just <laughs> balls for him. So it was a little bit different for me, you know what I'm saying? So, but it was fun, man. When Mike get, finally got there, you know, in our first OTAs and stuff like that, man, that was my very first time seeing him like walk on the field, just kind of just stop and like. Like he actually like on the field, like he, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I I tell people all the time, like people ask, you know, what Mike was like. And I was like, put it like this. This dude was a star amongst like stars. Like there are like tons of stars in the NFL. And when dudes want to meet him and their star, that tells you how big of a player that dude is. Exactly, (laughs) exactly, yo. What was one of the things that uh, surprised you when you first got there about Mike and his ability to throw the rock? Because I don't think people understand, like, one big difference I saw when I first got there was the way the ball spins when 
he's throwing a deep route. And I know you saw it a lot, but like, what are some of the things that you saw about him that you was like, man, this is cool or this is crazy or I ain't know he could do this kind of stuff. The one thing that I wasn't used to, even though my quarterback in college was the same height as Mike, is that how quickly like the ball pops over. Like you, like in college, you got big guys, but in the NFL, you got real big dudes. Like, 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 like I mean, like in college is, you know, I went to UAB, so I went to Georgia to see like 300 pound guys that you got. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that yeah. was my very first time like running routes. And then I just see the ball pop over the lineman. You know what it I'm saying? Coming. Like, like the ball is coming and it's just coming. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like that was my very first time, like going through stuff like that. And actually, and it took me probably a week, probably a week and a half. And, you know, coach would always like, make me kind of line up and just throw balls and then just make me turn around and snap to get used to it. Yeah. Cause that was my very first time. And Mike got a, got a cannon. So you'll see it come over and it don't look like it's coming hard. And then it, it, is, it is up on you. <laughs> yeah, it just sneak up <laughs> on you. So he made everything that he did look so effortless. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, especially during practice and stuff like that, that it kind of like caught me off. I'm like, how he don't look like he trying to do anything. <laughs> it just looks so good when he does it, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So it was kind of crazy for me just being out there on the field, especially him being left-handed. I had to adjust, especially on deep balls. Cause when you left-handed on the left-hand side, the ball curves in and on the right hand, I mean, on the right-hand side it curves in on the left-hand side, it goes out, you know, it goes out of bounds. Right, go so away from you. Adjust. Yeah. yeah, it goes away from you. So I had to kind of adjust that to knowing like, if I'm on the right side, he throw a deep ball, the ball may come inside. So I might, you know, have to give myself a little bit more room from the sideline that may actually make a catch, yeah. stuff like that. So, man, that's, see, to see, that's the kind of stuff that I think young receivers have to understand like the details of it. And I remember watching you guys practice every single day and all the stuff you guys used to do, but the details in which that you guys wanted to play with, I thought was pretty cool. And obviously it's a reason why, uh, you, you guys were successful. Now, in the first couple of years, you know, you got hurt that first preseason, end up playing some, 06, kind of similar. You end up with about 30 catches. But 2007 is when it started for you. It's when the 1,000-yard season started coming for you. And I remember going into that season thinking, I'm going to be starting for the Atlanta Falcons on this team. And yeah. obviously, that was the year with Coach Petrino. We ain't going to hash that out. We're going to keep moving on by that. <laughs> Cause we all know uh, how we feel about that. But uh, I remember getting hurt in that second preseason game. And then like you mentioned, you had Joey, you had Chris, you had Byron with his size seven shoe. Uh, everybody know Byron now who, you know, you, you see him now, he's the offensive coordinator for the Bucks. But uh, you, you had to play with a, a bunch of different dudes during that season. How did you cope with having three different guys with three different ball rotations and you still end up that year with almost 1200 yards? You know, Coach, Coach, Coach Petrino, I'm not going to lie, Paul put me in a position to to actually be great that season because, you know, everything he asked me to do, I did. You know, he was like, you need to lose weight. I want you out here early. I want you catching balls before, after practice. Oh, you had that Oh, you had that Mike T weight on. You had yeah, that Mike yeah, T weight I on. That, I had that Mike T weight on me. I had to get him <laughs> off. <laughs> so, uh, for, 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 for people who listen to Inside Joke about that is Michael Turner, who obviously came to the Falcons, did a lot of big things. Michael Turner would always come to camp, and he would be almost 20, 30 pounds over 
what he, you know, was supposed to be, and it took him all preseason to get back right. So that's why I'm joking with him about the Mike T. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I got I got slim, and then um, you know, he was like him and Paul and, and Bobby literally brought me upstairs and was like, yo, we want you to be the man. Like you gonna be the guy. Like we gonna lead on you. You know, to carry the wide receiver core and stuff like that. And, you know, that was the very first time I had heard that since my, like, rookie year of coming mm. in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, I, I got in a lot of disagreements with, you know, Coach Nat early on, especially my rookie year of just not getting the ball and right. not putting me in positions to make plays. And it was the very first time where it was like, listen, you're going to be the guy and we're going to throw you the ball. You know what I'm saying? And coming out of the gate, they was just calling plays and stuff for me to get the ball. Yeah. And, um, you talk about excitement, you know. I mean, my confidence went from the, you know, from the bottom to all the way through the roof. Right. They believed in me so much, but you know, for me, each and every week, it was just like going through the game plans of who gonna start, who not gonna start, who gonna be in, <laughs> you know. So you walking up, I, the first thing I do when I come in there Wednesday morning, I was like, all right, now who quarterbacking? I don't care about the place. Like, I need to know who I need to work with this week. <laughs> who I need to I really need to talk to this week. Yeah, who I need to be talking to, who I need to be, you know, in meetings with and stuff like that. So um, it was cool, man. It was my, my very first year. I learned a lot that year just going from quarterback to quarterback. Not only that, but just an understanding of the game, how me and Paul sat down and watched film. And yeah. I actually, that was the very first time in my career that I actually went in the game knowing what the defense was playing. Mm. Like my very first two years, I was just out there just freestyling. Just out there, just like you know, I'm just, just straight, just straight on talent out there. Yeah, just, just straight. And that was the very first year I actually sat down and watched tape, you know, and um, knew what the defense was gonna do, what zones, what um, if it was third down, three to five, what they were playing. If it was third down, eight to twelve, mm. what they were playing. Yeah, that was my very first time going through, you know, and actually having details and knowing, you know, what I was gonna get. So that's a, a lot of success as a player, though. You were obviously when you make to the NFL, everybody's talented. Everybody's got a great skill set. And oh, you yeah. talked about those first couple of years where you know he was all talent. But when Paul got there, he kind of changed some things about you. What were some of the things that you focused on? You talked about watching film more and understanding the game, but what were some things that you had to improve on to be a better receiver? Just be more disciplined in route running, being being able to understand spacing, mm. being able to attack people in different ways understanding what DBs, what they like, what they don't like. Right. You know what I'm saying? And things like that. Because in the league, like you said, man, everybody just about on the same level. The only, you probably going to have four or five guys that's not on the same level. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. And the rest of us, like we just, we're in a pot, but the guys that study film, the guys that go out there and, and discipline themselves in the off season and run routes and learn new techniques and study their opponent, um, going to be the guys that have success on Sunday. Yeah, so um, that's the difference in being successful in the NFL and not being successful. How much work you put into it, how you practice. Because I always tell kids nowadays, man, listen, man, I only know a couple guys out there in the NFL that cannot practice or not go out there and work hard and be good. I only yeah. know like three yeah. of them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Everybody yeah. else. We gotta go practice, you know. We gotta go see this stuff, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I always tell people, man, what you do in practice, you definitely do in the game. So if you don't work hard in practice, you know, you ain't gonna be successful in the game. Well, I don't know about that, Rod, because I remember plenty of days in practice 
And we go, we go get to this in a minute when, when, when Deuce finally came along. But I remember days in practice, we would work on certain routes or certain plays, and we would throw a bomb to you, and yeah. you would drop it. But then yeah. we get into the game, all you got to say is, well, if you dropped it in practice, Rod going to catch it in the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, I remember, I literally remember Lyman, if we threw this in practice and you dropped it, literally they would be jumping. They'd be cheering. <laughs> and I turn around and be looking at them like, why is these dudes cheering behind me? Because they, like, they knew he go catch it in the game. Oh man, that was a, that was one of the funniest stories that uh, I, I remember uh, through that time. Now, 2008 rolled around, and um, I'm coming off my ACL, and uh, I'm thinking, yeah, I got a chance to probably get back into the starting thing. And April rolled around, and they draft Matt, and Matt they give Matt 70 million. So I said, well, guess what? I guess I'm going to be the backup now. So uh, <laughs> Matt rolled in there, man, but. Uh, Talk about your first impressions of the guy who's been playing 13 years now, broke all these records, and has been a, a staple in the franchise. First impressions of uh, old Matty Ice when he first got to Atlanta. Man, when we first drafted Matt, I didn't know what to expect. You know what I'm saying? To tell you the truth, I mean, I ain't to tell you the truth. I didn't watch no BC college game, <laughs> none of that. So yeah. I didn't know if he could throw it. Or he could say, I ain't know none of that. You know what I'm saying? But when they started getting closer to the draft and they started saying that we were going to take a quarterback and it was going to be him because he was the number one guy, yeah. then I started going back and looking at film and watching him. And then I was like, oh, he beat Miami. Oh, okay. He <laughs> All right. He might can play a little bit. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So yeah. that's how I first – but um, I just remember, Matt, uh, our first time going out on the field, you know, we in OTAs, you know what I'm saying? So – and at that time, everybody had to be in because we had an extra one because we had a new, you know, we had a new head new coach. coach. Yeah. So we had an extra one. So everybody was out there. So I remember Pat and Go, the very first ball he threw, it was the worst ball I have ever <laughs> seen. <him. laughs> so when he threw it, I looked over there. I was like, uh, This is what we drafted. No. This is what <laughs> we in trouble. <laughs> said, we in trouble. I said, oh, we in trouble. Right? But after that, man, he calmed down, man. And I looked at him, and I, I always go back to him. I said, what was you thinking of that first? He looked at me. He said, I was so damn nervous on that first one, right? <laughs> man, I, I remember I remember y'all, bro. Y'all was some characters. Y'all would be literally in the huddle cussing each other out, and Matt was a rookie, and you trying to tell him, hey, man, you a rookie. I don't care if you the quarterback. You still <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we had our war words in the huddle sometimes, but... <laughs> You know, it was it was a lot more had to do with 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 because Matt Matt rookie year, which was which was crazy, is like they gave him a lot of responsibility and play calling. Yeah, you know, we ran we ran a you know we ran Texas at that time as up tempo offense, where we would just get to the line of scrimmage and Matt would just be calling plays, which everybody loved would love which, him to do now, right? Yeah, which everybody loved <laughs> for him to do. Right, but he used to be in the means telling me like Roddy. This is hard. Like, you don't understand. Like, I got to make sure everybody's straight. I got to make sure everybody in the right position. I got to right. make sure the defense is right. I got to go through the cadence. Then I got to get the play out to y'all. I got to do all this in, you know, 35 seconds. Right. I'm like, bro, you don't have to do all that. I'm seeing what you listen to me. I got you. <laughs> but he know, I'm speaking from a wide receiver perspective. Yeah. Because so y'all boys all the way over. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. He broke down all that stuff, and you still was like, bro, I don't bro, think about all that. Me, bro. Me I got you. 
right? Because <laughs> all I want to do is throw the ball. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I remember one time we were playing the Redskins, right? And it's crazy, right? Because that year, I mean, that was his rookie season. And he checked to a run, right? And we ended up breaking it. Mike T ended up breaking it for like 55 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. So he runs over to me. He's like, you see that shit? I checked that shit. I was like, I don't give a damn if you checked it out. <laughs> <laughs> Like you really excited about checking the 36? Uh, <laughs> you, you excited to check it to outside zone? Get yeah, out of here, he was excited. You know what I'm saying? I had to push crack. Oh, and man. Y'all wasn't excited. You know, I was happy we scored though. <laughs> oh man, that's pretty that, that's crazy. Uh I mean, starting from 08, going all the way to about 2012. I did the numbers, bro. From that time. You had 7,773 yards, 49 touchdowns, and 563 receptions during that period. And obviously, you had a, a time where you had 115 receptions in a year. You had 101 year. What was the biggest difference? Obviously, having a QB that can get you to rock is a lot. Yeah. But to do it from that amount of time, I mean, 1,000 yards back to back to back, I mean, just rolling. What was the difference for you? Because I know – Mindset is a lot of it. Uh, Tony Gonzalez came around through that time, got there in 09. But what were some of the factors that helped you become that dude that was year in and year out that when a team came in, they said, hey, we got to make sure we got to know where A4 is? Well, I mean, after my third year, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, my my into, into my third year, our last game of the year was the St. Louis Rams, right? And I was a big Tory Hall fan at that time. Mm -hmm. And... um. You know, I was like, man, I hope I get to meet him after the game. You know what I'm saying? Right. We ended up winning the game, but they was going to the playoff. They didn't really care if they won or lost. They had already got their seed and stuff like that. So, um, and I see him after the game and he runs over. He's like, brother, hey, man, you working. Just keep working. You're going to be good. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, so I asked him, I say, so what do you do? Like, stay mm -hmm. consistent. Like, what you been doing? Right. He's like, listen, he's like, just watch all the great receivers. He was like, you got to figure out a way to get all those guys on the tape and just watch them all. Mm. And from that time till probably 2012, every year I watched film every play at the top five wide receivers in the league. Wow. Every year. I sat wow. down and got Jimmy to make me a DVD. Jimmy Korea? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I made him make me a DVD every year with the top five guys, and I watch every play, not just receptions. I watch them run block. I watch them pass. If it was an incompletion, I watch every play that wow. each five of those guys played every year. And wow. that's how I got better, because I know what I had to do, what areas I had to work on, things I could take from their game and implement it into my game. And um, it just kept me going each and every year, having me working out hard, coming in in better shape each and every year and just being ready to go, not getting ready to go in training camp, but already being ready to go in training camp. Hey, I mean, I, I think you just said something there. I think there's a lot of receivers who are in high school, who are in college, who want to be at the level that you played at. And the fact that you went and sought out one of the top guys and asked them point blank, what do they do? And then you took an extra step and started watching these guys in and out details, everything. And I think kids these days don't want to put in the time to be great. And a lot of yeah. kids just think they can just get it off talent. I know you, you know, you, you do some coaching and you probably see that 
you know, every day. But if people can listen to what you just said, I think that speaks volumes about how to become a better, not just receiver, but at any position, how to become a better player. I always tell people this, all right? It's millions of, it's millions, like, it's millions of high school athletes. Right. Then you get to college, it's thousands, like a hundred thousands, sitting a hundred thousands of college athletes. Right. Right. And then when you get to the NFL, it's 1,500 guys. Right. So you didn't went from a million to hundreds of thousands to 1,500. That's it. Like, that's it. Yeah. How do you go separate yourself? Yeah. You and then I always tell them like if you want to play quarterback in the NFL, it's thirty two teams, man. It's three quarterbacks or maybe two in the roster. Yep. That's a hundred. That's a hundred people playing quarterback in the NFL. That's it. Tough in the whole entire league. And I'm like, bro, you got to understand the details and the thing, and not only be talented of how hard you got to work to actually be. You know what I'm saying? NFL quarterback. And I always right. tell people all the time. I, I tell everybody, I, I give people stories about you all the time. I say, DJ was on our team, right? And he didn't get in the game maybe once or twice throughout a whole season, right? I say, but it wasn't a question in a meeting that a coach asked him he didn't have the answer to. And I say, this is the second and third string quarterback at the time. Yep. There's not one time I remember DJ was like, uh, uh, yep. oh, I don't, I don't know that. Yep. Like yep. you knew everything. I'm looking back at shot like, all right, he committed. <laughs> like this is how much you gotta be committed to your profession, yep. your job, and if you want to be good at something, this is how fully committed you gotta be. You know, it's it's, it's pretty cool to hear you say that because I've never heard you say that. I never heard you uh, talk about that, which is crazy, and it kind of just justifies. You don't want to come to my camps and stuff. You know what I'm saying? You just got to let me know, bro. You yeah, know that's no thing. My camp, he don't want to come to my camp. I be giving man. him shout outs and stuff like that, but he don't hear. <laughs> <laughs> but man, it's cool though. Cause I, I think, man, I go back to those moments and I think about if I got the opportunity with the guys around me, respect me while I'm in there. Would they say, okay, I know this dude know what he need to do. And people always ask me all the time, like you never played, but how did you stay around four, five years? I was like, Worked my tail off in practice, and I always knew what I had to do. And uh, I think that speaks volumes for your career, um, going from obviously struggling to get into college, getting to college, taking care of that opportunity, then getting to the NFL, having struggles early, and overcoming those struggles and becoming one of the all-time greats. Um, and talking about all-time greats, you played with a few of them. Um, I mentioned Tony Gonzalez coming. Uh, a lot of people hear it all the time. Julio always mentions Roddy paved the way for me. Talk about some of the things that you learned from a Tony Gonzalez. So talk about some of the things that you taught a Julio Jones that has helped you or maybe helped them along the line. Uh, man, I learned a lot from Tony. Tony, Tony work ethic is, is unbelievable. And um, like, I've never seen a guy just come in and work. Just not like, not, not like during practice, just, catching balls, always having people around him. Like he implemented so many drills with me and Julio that we didn't do before he got there. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like when Tony got, when Tony got there, I never warmed up before a game. Prior to Tony get, <laughs> For right? real? That's no lie. I never warmed up because I always have cramping issues. So, you know, oh. I got to get IVs and stuff. Oh, we like know that. about that. Ooh, yeah. We know about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm always cramping and stuff like that. So I'm like, I can't go out there and warm up 
and exert all my energy because I'm, I'm trying to say some of this. Right? So Tony, I watched Tony. Tony was like, you don't warm up? I'm like, nah, bro, I don't warm up. He was like, how is the very first time that you're going to catch a ball from the quarterback full speed going to be in the game? I was like, yeah, that, 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 that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he was like, bro, when Matt go out there, you need to go warm up. I don't care if you catch 10 balls. You know what I'm saying? He was like, you don't have to go as hard as you possibly can. But he was like, you need to go out there, see the lights in the stadium, see where it's coming from. You know what I'm saying? See your quarterback throw you the ball. And I literally started warming up prior to the game because uh, of Tony Gonzalez. Uh, before crazy. that, I never did it. That's crazy. I ain't never know. I ain't even never, I ain't never yeah, pay no I, attention to it. That's yeah, crazy. I never did. I never went out there shot. <laughs> like, nah, I ain't going out there with all that. Uh, obviously, but, uh, uh, yeah, also, yeah. you know, I learned that from Tony Gonzalez. We learned like little drills of just, he would always have two tight ends with him and they would literally just follow him around the field and he has some <laughs> just throwing balls to him and they'd be trying to knock the balls out of his hands and stuff like that. So we learned those, those drills that we implemented you know, when he was there and then after he left, we still did him. And, um, you know, I just wanted for myself, you know, when I, I always told myself when I became the leader of the locker room at the wide receiver group, I would give them everything that I had. Like I would give them all information. Yeah. I would give them everything that I did. Yeah. I would always work hard in front of them. I wouldn't allow them to, to think that they could just relax. You know what I'm saying? Because the right. only way we would win is if everybody was as good as they could possibly be. Yeah. So uh, that was always my model. And you know, I am with my guy. I love everybody to death, you know, and I do anything for them guys. So, you know, that was my, my, my love and interest for the game. And, um, yeah. you know, just who coming in and seeing that, you know, it was never no beef or, or never no like, 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 oh, I'm mad at him or he mad at me or anything like that. We all wanted us to be our best because I know that was our, the only chance we had to win, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, I remember days where all you guys, if it wasn't an offensive period, everybody was somewhere catching balls. Yeah. Balls, and I know Tony G started that. It didn't matter what drill it was. Let me get five catches here. Let me get 10 here. I mean, I remember those days vividly. And I remember to this day how you guys still did that once he left. And it was just, it became habit. And I yeah. think kids can learn from that. Like, continue to work hard in every single thing you do, never taking time off. And obviously that's why you guys are in the position you're in. Um, it's cool to see the progression, man. I, I tell you, uh, once you once you got to a point where you had established yourself and become that dude, and after your career is over at 15, the Falcons had you back a couple years later. Uh, you're now in the, the ring of honor. Uh, what was that like hearing uh, Arthur Blank and obviously work a part of it, say, hey, we want you to be a part of the Falcon Ring of Honor and your name be up in the banner for forever. It was special, man. It was a very special moment for, for really my family. You know, um, you know, you do all this hard work throughout your life. You know, you playing football since, you know, you're six years old, all the way to that point. You know, I've been literally playing football for at that point for like 20 something years, you know what sure. I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and doing the same thing consistently over and over and over again. And um, just all the hard work and dedication that I put into the game, you know, and it speaks volumes of the locker room and the people that I've been around, you know, like Julio, Matt, Babs, you know, all those Curtis Lofton, all those guys that came through that locker room, if I had an effect on them, on how they way they practice, on the, how the way they play, on how the way they went out in the field and just, 
you know, went out there and um, did their job to the best of their ability. You know, that was really what I, I was after. I wanted everybody to be their best, you know what I'm saying? And I wasn't going to show no signs of not going out there and competing as the highest level as I possibly can while those guys' eyes were on me. So I always wanted to, you know, go out there and give it everything I had, you know, each and every Sunday. So, you know, it was much appreciated me getting into that. You know, my family at the end of the day, like my grandma said, like we really have something that that's somewhere out, out there in the world that our name hmm. is going to be in that place for the rest of my life, Dang, the rest cool. of their life, for my grandkids' life and things like that. So it'll always be remembered. You know, and um, that's something that, and, you know, speaks volumes of, of my family and everybody around me that supported me. And, you know, I love them to death for that. Yeah, man. I, I still remember this day when, um, you know, they, they had a bunch of uh, uh, the guys back and you and Mike come rolling out in the in the convertible. And yeah. I mean, you can hear the fans just going absolutely crazy because they know two guys who basically changed the trajectory of the franchise. So, uh you're always a beloved Falcon. I know that for sure. Uh, it don't matter how long you've been going or what you've been doing. you always been one of those guys in beloved. Before we end the football talk, I have to ask you, because you had a collection of dudes around you in that receiver room that I know, but I want you to kind of explain to people that receiver room with the guy at the top, Terry Rabisky, who is probably <laughs> the biggest character of them all, but you're talking about you, Brian Finneran, Michael Jenkins, Harry, Eric Weems, Joe Horn. I mean, y'all had some characters in that receiver room. What yeah. was that room like on a day-to-day -day basis? If you could just put it into a small capsule of what it was like. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it, it, it was like a genie in the bottle. You rubbed that, <laughs> what you gonna get that day? <laughs> There's people out there just making wishes and just throwing oh, things man. in the beat room that you could possibly can't even imagine on a day-to-day -day basis that you could hear. You know what I'm saying? So it was, uh, it was, you know what I call it? It was, it, it was chaos, but it was great chaos. It was love chaos. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like everybody brought a different dim dimension to the room. Everybody brought a different personality to the room from different aspects of, you know, different backgrounds. And, but at the end of the day, we all came in together for a common goal. And that was to see all of us succeed and, and yeah, win, yeah. you know, but um, we had fun, man. That's one thing I can always say about my career in the NFL. No doubt. I didn't go, I didn't go in there one day into the building and my meeting room didn't have something. Yeah. It was funny, hilarious, or something that we did that was, um, that was uh, not chaotic, you know? <laughs> Man, it, the, the, the other thing that I remember about y'all group and which was something that I know a lot of people uh, probably have to remember, but you wasn't going to shy away from a fight. You wasn't going to shy away from right. any DB. First off, I want to know who was the toughest DB you had to go against. But then and then second, the part I want you to really talk about is how many fights you think you got into and then all your boys always came to your thing, but... <laughs> You used to get in it with yeah, you on mean, the other side. To say I mean, it lightly. probably the toughest, the toughest guys I went in against. I was young too when at this time. I mean, when I was going against McKenzie and you know Al Harris and Chad mm. Haley, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like those those guys were really really good. You know what yeah. I'm saying. And um, I really had to pack my lunch and, and, and <laughs> football. 
you know, when you go out there, I mean, you watching these guys on film and they don't even make mistakes. Yeah. So, you know, you trying to figure out how you're going to beat these guys. And you know, you got one-on-one, you know, press coverage, all 65 plays. Right. So, so, so you out there. So, Mm. And back then, there wasn't much movement and much, you know, motions and stuff that they were doing back then, you know, when they guys that It was just line up and go. Yeah, you had to just stand in place and go get it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was fun, man, competing against those guys and then having an opportunity to just just be out there and just watching where these guys end up at and how good they played throughout their career, you know, you know, champs in the Hall of Fame now, but multiple you know, mm-hmm. Pro Bowls from the other guys that I played against. But um it was fun, man. You know, I had a I had I had a grand old time, you know. <laughs> but, I, uh, think, I, I think the all the fight, fighters the fight know. List, yeah. the fight list is is, is deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> that we know. That yeah, we know. Man, I mean we, we I mean every time we went out there, man, if, if one of my guys got into an altercation with somebody, we had to get you. Yeah, either yeah. way, either if it, it was, was gonna be a little scrum somewhere, if it was legal or illegally, or we was gonna get fined for it, we had to get you, no matter what it was. <laughs> oh man, that is classic. So I remember them days right there. I just be like, here they go, they go to Wildhouse again. They they attacking some poor little DB now. They hey, got man. them all hemmed up over there. At the end of the day, you know what I realized after all of those things that we did, right? The intimidation factor it worked every week. Yeah, because. I knew, knew we knew by Wednesday whether if somebody was on the injury list earlier that week, whether they was playing or whether they wasn't playing. Yeah. Or if we had to go up against what their attitude was in pregame warm up. We had already set the tone for the week before. <laughs> How would it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> Man, obviously, uh, you you wonder the best guys to do it. I'm sure people would love to hear who are some of the, the wide outs you like to watch today because obviously. Every wild is made different, but like me, when I'm watching the game, I'm watching everything the QB does, everything, footwork, who he, you know, what he's looking at. Yeah. What are, who are some of the guys that you like to look at in today's game? Oh, man. Uh, I like I mean, Devontae Adams, Devontae yeah. Adams, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, he you like you, you like old Stefan Diggs or Stephon you know, Diggs. like a Metcalf or yeah, I like I, I like Metcalf. He more like you know, he 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 more like in that TO physical range, but I like yeah. I like him man. He he physical man, he yeah. he go out there and get it. I love Stefan Diggs, that my guy. He's what, on my fancy team, you know. He was like <laughs> what you think about uh the, the 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 young pup from LSU or Justin Jefferson this year? Ooh boy, sweet feet. <laughs> that was you call him sweet Oh, he nasty, man. Yeah, he nasty yeah. in that line of scrimmage, man. He yeah. bring a different dynamic to the game. He got a lot of wiggle, man. And um, he just so far ahead of his time and his ability to run routes and all within the timing of the progression in the quarterback, yo. I've yeah. never seen a guy go in there and kind of maneuver his way in route running yeah. and shift body weight and do all of that in 2.5 seconds, man. You got to be yeah. special to do that. No doubt, no doubt. All right, Afo man, we're gonna we're gonna let you get out of here, but I wanna I always wanna end it on a uh, on a good note and uh, obviously ask you about uh, some of the things you got going on now uh, in retirement. I know you got a lot going on. You've been coaching. You got a couple of business going. Uh, yeah, gotta man. tell people what uh, Afo got going on these days. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm you know I'm down there coaching, man, trying to you know get these kids to the next level. Um, I found my joy in coaching, man. I love to do it. Mm. I love to go out there on the field. I get my my excitement and crave from that, watching these young guys go out there and make plays. Yeah. Just try to get into college, man. Try to get into the next level, man. 
And, um, you know, that's good enough for me. I always tell my kids that I'm coaching, man, if I get you to college, I done did I did my job. <laughs> I did my job. They yeah. me I ain't a good coach. <laughs> I, got I gave you an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? A lot of these kids just need an opportunity. Yeah. You know, life and then as far as business world, man, that transition from football to business is 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 different. You know, um, I'm just finding my feet and getting my feet wet. Just basically, you know, trying to figure out and put in the same type of effort, you know, and things that I put into, you know, football, you know, which is hard because you're doing something you love. Right. But now I'm transitioning from that to actually watching my money dudes, <laughs> you know, work for mm -hmm. me and just consistently trying to build stuff for my family. You know, that's nice. the main focus that I'm with right now on the business aspect, just having, you know, longevity for my family and, you know, and my kids to have something, you know, when I'm dead and gone, they'll be able to just continue to work within, you know, the white family house, you know, yeah. what I'm white yeah. family house office over here. I'm trying to create that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, throughout this entire podcast, I think family has come up often. And I think if people don't get anything from it, they understand how much family means to you. I love to uh, for you to talk about your kids before we get out of here, because I know I see them on Instagram. I see them yeah, in your man. stories. I, I see them all doing good stuff, man. Just just talk about uh, your kids and, and, and the kind of stuff they got going on. Oh, man, I love the Fat Five. You know, they working. <laughs> the Fat Five. <laughs> yeah, the Fat Five. We working over here, you know. Um, you know. You know, I got some athletes and then I got not so athletes. So, you know, <laughs> as a parent, you go to do different dy dynamics with your kids of things that they like, things that they don't like, right. things that they they want to do and what they don't want to do. So, you know, from now look at me, you know, my oldest daughter, she's she loves to play volleyball. That's her thing. So, you know, we we going around the country playing volleyball hey. you know? and then, right. you know, junior girl, dad, girl, dad, yeah, huh? yeah. yeah. Junior, he he played every sport. He liked me when he was a kid, basketball, baseball, football. So he do it all. And then I got a scientist. You know, my, my oh. medicine, he's a scientist. He like okay. going to museums and stuff like that. So, you know, I got to go in that. You know what I'm saying? A little bit of everything, huh? And then my baby son, he, he Tasmanian devil. So, you know. <laughs> he trying to, try to keep up. Yeah. And then I got one that wanted to do, be a model. So, you know, it's different dynamics of it, man. Man, that's cool. I preach school, 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 you know, good, 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 get good grades, you know, so you can, you know, get educated and go on yeah. and you know, do something in college. And then whatever dream that you have, you know, your daddy here to help you find a way to get to it, you know, and yeah. that's my thing for all my kids. Whatever you want to be in life, I'm going to be right here to help you try to get there no matter what happens. Man, as a, as a friend, as a homeboy, as a guy who, uh, we've been friends now for a long time, uh, I want to say I appreciate you for coming on, bro. I want to appreciate you for uh, opening up a little bit and giving people some of the, the things that you've gone through and some of the wisdom. And uh, I wore this hat for my dog because sooner or later, this one my man going to be right here. And the people who are listening, they probably can't <laughs> see it, but it say Hall of Fame on it. And I, I truly believe my dude deserves to be in that. And uh, I can't wait to, you know, you're in a hotel somewhere and you get that knock and uh, they come say, hey, Welcome to the Hall of Fame. So uh, I appreciate you, man. Appreciate your heart, bro. And, uh, you know, I always wish you the best. And, you know, we, we appreciate you joining us on the Triple Threat Pod, man. Man, no problem, man. Appreciate you for having me on, man. Thank you, man. All right, man. This has been the Triple Threat Podcast with four-time Pro Bowler, my dude. Falcons love him. 
People love him. Everybody love my man, A4. Uh, we appreciate y'all joining us here on the Triple Day Podcast. I'm DJ Shockley for my man, Scotty D. And last but not least, the man, the myth, the legend, A4. We'll holler. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.